If I had a broom joke you hadn't all heard before, this is where I'd put it. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for the second round of the 2021 NHL playoffs, where the Colorado Avalanche have drawn the Vegas Golden Knights. The series fans around the league have been hoping for, and we're going to go through that. Plus, the Avs shake up their front office a little bit, but before we get into these things, your disembodied voices for the week, apart from me, are Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie. I'm home this time, so boy, I sound better. You sounded fine last time. We mostly oh, okay. kept the background noise out of there. Uh, we begin okay. by putting a bow on round one. Avs win 4-0 over the St. Louis Blues by winning on Sunday 5-2, which was a game that, even though Colorado trailed for the first time in the series, this really never felt in doubt to me. Just a matter of time. Uh, Tarasenko scores early in the second, then the Blues get called for roughing Ryan Graves, and that's all it takes. You lost. Brandon Saad scores on the power play. Gabe Landeskog adds the go-ahead and goal, and Miko, go-ahead goal, and Miko Rantanen puts home the game winner at 4:20 into the third. Nice. Both Miko and Gabe got their sixth assists of the series on those goals, and it was Miko's first tally of the postseason. Not that he hadn't been close a few times before. Tarasenko got another one on the power play after noted thug Tyson Jost high sticks Tory Krug in the face, just keeping the game interesting. Uh, before Nathan McKinnon gets the dagger in the empty net, and then Val Nichushkin gets the bad manners empty net goal to go up three with six seconds remaining. You know, St. Louis came into this game with their backs against the sweep wall, and the Avalanche held them to 20 shots on goal. That's pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah we thought the- they were going <clears> to <throat> wrap this up, even though we yeah. said it's not, it wouldn't be crazy if they won a game at home, but it, it did feel like it was, it was pretty much over. Yeah, I mean the the Blues, they really didn't feel that threatening at most times during the series, and this is really no exception. I mean, I, until they actually scored in the second period, I guess you know you're just sort of waiting for that first goal for the Abs, but um, you just you you didn't get the worry that you might in you know previous postseasons, um. And after that, they just kept pouring it on. Or how, many, how many empty net goals was that? That, that? that was two of their, what, five? That a lot. For the series? Yeah. Like, there were a lot um, of games this series that were closer than their final scores look because of empty netters. But, <laughs> this, but this one is not one of them. This one was... No. <laughs> this one was pretty dominant. Except for the very yeah. brief moments when it wasn't. And as we had mentioned last week, it kind of continued the theme of they had to abandon any sort of gooning because they just absolutely had to score goals and try to win the game, which they didn't. But I think it was also part of that not really so much pushback. Like they just had to invest all their energy in just trying to score, which they really didn't. I kind of like that Tarasenko was the one that showed up because I've always liked Tarasenko. So, haha. So. All the other players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you kind of wonder how much of this was was game plan, and we talked about this last week as well. But it just it, it seemed like the Blues sort of went out there like, oh, we'll just push these guys around, and you know we'll be in this series till the end, and that's just not what happened. 
That doesn't no. work on this team anymore. The Colorado Avalanche, no. for the last several seasons, have had a major problem where if you engage them physically, they'll punch you right back, but they stop playing hockey. This this season, <laughs> they seem to have fixed that. Yeah. Well, ben, and it- I've listened to Bednar a couple times on the radio this week, and he has been really emphatic about what Landy did that came out in game one and got in that fight. And then game I was going to mention that. Huge hit on O'Reilly. Yeah, behind the net, which led to that score that nobody even got to see because stupid NBCN switched from the Canes game. But still, <laughs> so it was interesting. It. <laughs> <laughs> Not a whole lot of other people did. I saw it, but it was interesting that I guess that was a little bit of their strategy was to maybe get the first punch in, which I will be very interested to see if they attempt that against Vegas. But I know we'll get to that series. It's just, um, it's interesting that the Avs had that conscious, let's get the first punch in. And I think it did seem to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, the turning point of the series was about, you know, less than a minute into the first game. So, (laughs) or the second. I mean, you could definitely say like the second game to score that fast in the in the second one was big. Yeah, Uh, and. They just never let up on the gas in the, in those first two home games, and you know, they, I I think you could see St. Louis maybe putting forth the effort, just putting it all together, and maybe winning a game three. But um, you know, once that didn't happen, I mean, they were just done. I I think what we saw at the end was just sort of like, uh, you know. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Game three was really their only chance, and Pretty and the much. analytics show that game one and four were not close. Two and three were much closer. So, yeah. like you said, three was really their best effort, and they couldn't win that one. It that was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean. I mean, they're professional athletes. They're not going to give up. But it's just when you're down three nothing. You know, in the history of sports, only three times has a team come back from that. And it's just, it's not going to happen. But we've also seen, like, this week, it's really hard to eliminate a team, too. Like, sweeps are somewhat rare for that reason. And and they get even more rare as as the playoffs go on, just because it's really hard to end a team season. And, um and for them not to even get one because we know things happen, penalties or magic bullshit or or some guys have it more certain days and they just didn't. And, and I know that I predicted this t- this series was going to be kind of tough because the season series against them was kind of tough. And I would argue, like I, I have many times in other places, that you're right and this wasn't easy. Despite the fact that it only went four games, none of those games were necessarily easy games. Like... It's a, it's a sweep, but Colorado had to fight for that damn sweep. It's not like... They just had control. I guess they had more control than I thought they would. But yeah, yeah, that's true. It's certainly never easy, right? It's the playoffs. It's Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, no not like, it's not like last season in the bubble when they started off against Arizona, who had no business being there in the first place. And I know. I, and that series didn't wasn't even four games. Right, that was a five-game series, and... And I would agree. I, I felt like that. I mean, the double Brazils at the end was just ridiculous. Yeah. It that just, one you was just didn't think that Jordan Bennington was going to be the guy to put together a game like Kemper did to beat the Avs. 
last year's and first I think round. he was good but he he definitely started losing it like he he started overplaying especially in that game three and but he's not he's the reason he's not why getting they any lost. help yeah he, yeah he, he weren't getting any goals he put together a couple of periods that were impressive but I mean he's he's he's, he's human he's a dude eventually you reach a point where it's just like give me some support here and you just get frustrated and things happen Right. And it's like when you look at the Avs scoring 20 goals, it's like, you know, five of those were empty net as far as I can tell. Um, so it's, you know, it's not that bad. You know, 15 goals in four games is still not great. But um, see, so, yeah, all people that are saying like, haha, you're stuck with Bennington. I mean, it that is a long contract, but it's not like the loss was his fault. Like they had good enough goaltending. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Blues fan, you're looking at it, you're a lot happier now about it than you were after last season's playoffs. Um, because he, he really didn't show up last year, and so... Yeah, he's, you know, he's stunk in those playoffs, and now he's lost, what, eight, nine playoff games in a row? Yeah. And, it, you know, they're, <laughs> it's not a great place to be in, and I, I guess LeBron wrote an article on that the Blues don't feel like it's time to rebuild or anything like that, and... You know, I, I realized that, you know, when you win a cup with a bunch of guys, it's, you don't want to get rid of them. I mean, they're fan favorites. They they brought glory to the city and all that. But it's like, you know, what you're doing isn't working. Um, I believe so... it's the Blues, the Caps, <laughs> and I think also the Penguins that haven't won a series since they last won the cup. Yeah. Which that that definitely gets to become a concern. But it's just this whole... I listened to what LeBron said on the radio and it is like you do kind of have to face reality but re or going with younger guys or retooling or reloading whatever you want to call it doesn't necessarily have to mean like get rid of everybody and just take draft picks but every team you need that infusion of youth like you, you can't get by without it so I don't right. know why teams haven't understood that it doesn't mean that they need to trade like O'Reilly and everyone for picks and just totally reset. Yeah, but you have to right. do something to have younger players in the lineup. You don't have to, right. it, to do it. And, and it's basically the difference of not making or making maybe one trade a year. It's like hanging on to one guy, maybe you should trade for a pick or a younger player or something like that instead of making that trade is sort of the difference between status quo and retooling that and consistently buying ufas every year and losing your shots in the draft <laughs> yeah like pittsburgh only has a in the first four rounds they only have a second this year and they only really have one decent prospect who's poulan who maybe they could play next year if they wanted to but that's like it and that's part of your problem is you don't have anybody like Washington has his has better. I think they could play McMichael next year. Like they've held on to some of their, their late firsts and their seconds better. So they can have a little bit better addition of younger players, but that's how these teams are going to move forward. If you just stick well, what, with like the old group that won the cup, you're done. Yeah, Washington's problem is more of an opportunity thing because it's just they they aren't moving anyone out of their top six really, or if they do, it's sort of one in one out with with the Mantha trade. So, you know, you're not you're not able to bring guys up from the lower lines, and that's basically why we got Burkowski. 
You know, it's like if they had been sort of a little more aggressive in their player movement, like Burkowski would, would probably be playing the role he plays for the abs now with them instead, but it just, you know, they got rid of him instead. It's also when a guy gets kind of like cast in a role. Like if you think of a guy as a bottom six, that's why I think fresh starts are so important. A lot of times is because you need some, you need to view them through a different set of eyes and a different set of like assumptions that becomes a lot of a problem they say if like you start your career and you're just like on a checking line the organization doesn't really think of you as oh well now we can move you up it's just kind of like well that's who you are <laughs> so the only thing that concerned me in game four was the time that alex newhook came in with speed and got co- cross-checked in the side which happens a thousand times a game but because of his speed and his angle, he just happens to go careening nastily into the end boards, doesn't return, some kind of back injury. Not great. No, and that was, you know, that was not fun to watch, especially since he had, you know, he, he had contributed a good goal in the series and, and you know, from from his perch down on the fourth line, was still able to contribute. So, um. <clears throat> Yeah, you, know, you just hated to see that because you you just get the feeling the more he plays, the better he's going to get, um, and he could end up being you know a fairly important player for them, you know, round three finals that kind of place. It's really interesting to see what they do with him because they still were not playing him a lot, like like we're talking like seven minutes i mentioned on the last podcast game three even though he'd scored a goal and everything he played like six minutes and that's really low so uh, it's kind of this weird I mean, jb's definitely not going to trust rookies you know it's just no not his no but that's barely playing that's and and timmons has pretty much gotten the same treatment as well right like he uh. played seven something in in game four and uh, the goal against was he contributed to not not getting back into the play. It well, was he not let Nemo pinch, and, and you know what happens when you do that. You shouldn't <laughs> let Nemo pinch, and you'll be fine. Yeah, well, you shouldn't pinch when the other your other defenseman isn't the fastest, especially in transition. So <laughs> it just kind of. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, kind of the way it happens. So yeah, pinching but... is obviously a, a hit or miss proposition sometimes. But how do you feel about just posting up in the in the middle of the slot? Yeah, just hanging out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's but... what was frustrating about that play because it's like all of us were sitting there watching the game. We're like, is that Nemeth? Is that Nemeth in the slot, kind of playing the bumper? Because <laughs> I was watching, it, I, and my, I thought, is he trying to get a deflection? Like, what is he? What's happening here? And then the puck goes the other way, and I go, oh, that's what's happening yeah. here. Exactly. What Before you know it, the puck's going the other way, and it's in the net, and you're just like, oh, that was so avoidable. <laughs> yeah. And and then shortly after that, Connor Timmons with a great chance that Bennington just robs him. And that was like his last shift, pretty like, much yeah. for real. He had three shifts after um, the Tarasenko goal. One of them was for five seconds. So truly one of them was that great chance he had. And then I think there was one other shift and that was it. So that's And he had be been st- dealing with a little bit of injury 
you know, remember when he did the second intermission interview and then just never came back out. Um, <laughs> that was that was the the L.A. game. So yeah. I guess because he blocked the shot off his foot, but then right. he played game one, two, and three. I don't know. Like, was he limited because of that? I don't know. But it is sort of an interesting thing to watch because as we anticipate guys like Byron coming back, how is Bednar going to, you know, shuffle the lineup? Like he did, like he does not want to do it. I mean, they won every game in that series. Yeah. So you don't want to change anything, but a, you had a full week off B you have guys You're playing like- a real team this time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and B, you know, new hook tech, basically didn't even play game four i mean he played one minute so like he, yeah. he basically did not even play that game timmins played half the game so you you could make the argument well we didn't necessarily you know quote unquote win that game with these guys so you, right, you could but kind I mean, of justify it either way i i mean i think if you're just looking at, at bednarisms that you know, playing rookies less in bigger games is kind of the, you know, that's something you would totally expect. It's like, you know, we got to close this thing out. You know, we'll, we'll we'll let the rookies get their experience later. And, you know, it, <laughs> if, see, if it I... comes down to like they're going to play rookies fine in the first two games or first three games of a series, you know, okay. Do you honestly think I'll they take would have given Bo the seven-minute treatment? I mean, not, I'm not I saying don't know. his first game back in two months. I'm just saying if he was a somewhat regular player, if he had I been mean, no, because regular, like I mean, no, Bo is so different right. than Timmons. I mean, it's just he does things that are. I mean, he he just has a lot more talent and ability, so it, it's it's really hard to compare that. Um, you know, I we saw early in the year that they just did they they wanted him to focus on five v five, and they didn't play him on either of the special teams much. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't know how you learn if you're not playing your special teams, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's just sort of the way it is. You just, you get your experience by osmosis. But he was out there a lot at five on five. He was. He, he would get like 16, 18 minutes and all on five on five, which is quite a lot. It is. So, like Benard's, so, you know, pretty... would 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 that be, would that be the case later in the season if he had started sort of in in mid season, you know, if if his twentieth game had come in game, you know, fifty, you know, would, would he would we be seeing that that same kind of treatment? It, it just it's it's impossible to say. I th- I'm just saying I think they would play him. I don't I don't think it's just because it's like a rookie thing, but I guess you could also make the argument that Byram is more the special case rather than trying to minimize the other guys. And I th- I think it's worth mentioning that Byron's now off IR and practiced with the team for... He really has been with the team for two weeks, but he truly has been this week. So Bednar, and I listened to him on SiriusXM, so I don't know if anyone else heard that one, but... um you know, Bender's a little bit more honest on the radio. Like, he likes to get going talking about certain things. So, one of the one things that he was talking about was also Byron's possible return. And 
also how it relates to the lineup. And he did mention Timmons, like he likes the momentum, like the growth that Timmons has shown, like what we talked about. But, you know, he's not entirely, you know, sold. Like he was very positive about Timmons in the interview, but just that he wants to get Byron back in and that Byron can do certain things to help them. Like he's still not saying it's going to be right away. And I do wonder if this seven, like the easiest way to not change your lineup would just to be put, put Byron as the seventh defenseman because, you know, new hook didn't play at all. And he hasn't even been practicing on that fourth line. Then you don't change your defense and you can dress Byron and then decide how many minutes you want to play him or not. But one also thing that Benar said was you have to take risks in the playoffs. And that's what they did when they put in Makar wow, and that worked out. He hates taking risks. I know, and he actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> that you have to take risks in the playoffs to win. And, and they I mean, took Other a risk. than his wardrobe, he is just not a risky guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, and I know we talk about how you know they are risky burst, but he hasn't shied away from playing these young guys. And um, you know, we'll we'll see what actually happens in reality, but he has said several times that yeah, Byron's gonna play in this series, he's just not saying when. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Is it gonna take a loss? Is it gonna take you know, a disappointing performance by somebody, or like I said, just do the seven D and he plays game one. But we'll see. I mean, if he doesn't play game one, that's fine. Because if if they don't do the seven D, then when he does play, he's probably gonna ha- have an opportunity for a bigger role, but starting out with 7D would also, you know, help to be able to see what they want to do with them first before actually taking somebody out. So I, I'd be happy with it either way. Yeah. And I, you can plan all you want, but until you actually play that first game, you don't really know sort of how you're going to line up, you know, where, where your real liabilities are. He um, might even be willing to play Sampo Ranta, apparently. I know that. That one is probably like the actual risk. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting because you would, if we get back to the whole like, um, he doesn't want to change after a win, and Newhook has done some, some good things. He, he had the assist, the two assists in the win against Vegas, and the, the, the goal in game three. Like, would he really take Newhook out and play Sampo instead? Not if New Hook's healthy. Car- yeah, I-, I would take Carl out and put Sampo there. <laughs> I mean, maybe. That's just me. Maybe that's <laughs> the play. I don't know. All, all, all that you actually care about in that sentence is the first part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's been okay. He doesn't uh, generate any offense, but he's he's okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, again, it... it I see the same problems with he and Nemeth. It's just their <clears throat> their speed doesn't allow them to mesh with the rest of the team as easily. And, and Carl's smart enough that it's not a, an incredible problem, but it's just he's he's not where you think the other guy should be a lot of the time just because you know, he's either in transit or you know, it's it's just not the right situation for him. But playing both Sampo and New Hook, that might be a little too, <laughs> too and <Bo>. fun. <laughs> and and Bo. Imagine <laughs> a bottom pair 
of Bowen Timmons and a fourth line with New Hook and Sampo on. You know? Oh, Bo would be doing. I mean, that's just JB lighting himself on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Bo would be doing way too much heavy lifting with all those those guys on the ice. So he'd be up at the the red line, basically. (laughs) The thing is, it could be so chaotic. Like Vegas could just be like, I I don't know what to do here. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's something that you probably look at at Ranta's game and. You know, he's the, the perfect fit the, to play against Vegas. Right. He's big and he's chaotic. And and I think the, the chaos he can create, and it, it works both ways, but um, just being unpredictable like he is in the offensive zone is something that it, it would be difficult for Vegas just because they've never seen him. You just, you just don't know what he's going to do, and he's got a lot of skill. It's just funny how they really didn't, I don't think they would have minded playing him against Delhi, but obviously they didn't. And yeah. and you know those games were important, but not ne- necessarily like hey, playoff series against Vegas important. But now we're okay apparently with doing it. <laughs> Is it just because he had the practice? Like I do think Bednar really does place a lot of importance on practice, especially the full team, and they do the optional stuff, you know, whatever. But when. They've been able to have these full team practices, which they have not had almost all this entire year. Like those matter to him. Yeah. Well, and just, I mean, they had Sampo this is there. his first chance to evaluate these these guys for real in practice. Right, and so Sampo was there the first day when when New Hook wasn't on the ice, so it was kind of like, well, all right, you know, just picked someone else. But then, then he was there with the real NHL players in the optional. It was kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. And then he was there again in the full team practice with the new hook back. And, and that's when it was like, oh, wow, they're serious about this. Yeah. But yeah, obviously I we'll hope it happens. they need to play him. I, it, it would be interesting, that's for sure. It would sure be interesting. <laughs> I want to see him in the NHL. It's just It'd be bizarrely yeah. interesting for JB, that's for sure. It is. It um, is. So the final first round stats for your Colorado Avalanche. Nathan McKinnon leads the way with. Hang on, let, let me back away from the mic a little bit for this one. Six goals and nine points in four games. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Landeskog comes in second with eight points. Six of them are assists, and Miko Rantanen has seven points with six of those also being assists. Your points leader among defenders is uh, Ryan uh, Ryan Graves. Who has a goal and three assists? If you're wondering about Kale, he sits at one goal and two assists. What a bum, right? <laughs> the only ads with no That's... points are Connor Timmons and Patrick Nemeth. It's fine. <clears throat> Kale can save him for Vegas. Um, I I do want to give Graves some credit. I thought he had a good series. He like, did. It's not just the points. It's not because now he leads plus minus or whatever again. But I thought he played well. And and he definitely helped them. He had his moments, um, but mostly it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at Graves and Nemeth's performances side by side, um, you know, I, again, I, it's it's pretty obvious where I lie in this discussion. But you know, do you need both those guys? I mean, I don't think you really do. Um. You know, I, I think against a team like Vegas, it's from what we watched last night in Game Seven against Minnesota. 
like Minnesota was penned in their own end constantly. And it's just, you can see Patrick Nemeth having a big time problem with that. And, you know, if you're going to think about a guy that's, that's got some issues with puck, um, you know, anything to do with the puck, really. What, you know, what do you do? Well, Um, this is where 70 would make sense because you could really, marginalize him five on five and you could play a guy like Byram a lot more five on five but then he's like one of your main penalty killers which is like what basically why he's there and then you had just have more options like is having more options on defense going to be a better competitive advantage against Vegas rather than having like a fourth line one thing I was impressed with was was Kale McCarr's defense because I I bragged on him pretty much the second half of the season for kind of Olay a lot of the time in the defensive zone and I think maybe the reason his point totals aren't quite where we'd expect them to be is that he did play a really solid defensive game for the first time in a while and that was really good to see. I think Bednar said his best defense was even in Game Four too. Which yeah. he liked how the team played defensively in that game, and Carr was certainly a part of that. Yeah, and you know that's something like obviously he knows when he's not playing well defensively, and it bothers him a lot because he wants to be a well-rounded number one defenseman. Um, and it's you know it's it's good to see that you know that's something he's able to do in the playoffs because um, they're going to need that. Yeah. So maybe in a 4-0 series, something like Stars and Scratches doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's alter the script just a little, and I'm calling today's segment Standouts and Disappointments. Standouts are not really different from Stars, except they're just the brightest stars on a team that's apparently full of them. And Disappointments, we don't necessarily want to scratch you. We just we just need more from you for the Avs to win their next series. Um, so the... The obvious on the on the good side is that entire top line with just ridiculous outpouring of goals. Yeah. yeah, and they all had their moments at different times in different ways. So that was good. Like it wasn't they were they are all on each other's goals, but it was like Miko had the goal at the end, but he had assists before then and McKinnon had a couple really good games. I think what was it, game three he didn't score I think it was game three he didn't score. Mm-hmm. Anyway, one of them. And then, you know, Landy, like we talked about earlier, sort of set that physical tone. And then he had that nice tip goal. So they all they all contributed, but in all various different ways. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid portion of your offense for the series. And that's what you want to see. I mean, I know it, it, it borders on being top-heavy, which you worry about a little bit. Um, but it's like you do want those guys carrying a lot of the load. So that's good. Um, a standout for me was Brandon Sod because he missed a bunch of time coming into the series. And yeah, there's a little empty net magic, but he did pick up three goals. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't look worse for wear, which I was a little worried about. Yeah, I was happy with his, his game. One of, at least one of those goals was pretty big. It was like the first one they scored in game. Yeah. Yeah, he fit right back in. That was That was good to see. And and you do need some of these other guys to chip in because there will be playoff games where your top guys are held off the score sheet. 
I guess I'd like I'd say Graves for me. Um, you know, give the guy some credit. He's he's had a rough ride this year, and he had a good series. So he and it's not someone that you would have pegged going into the Blues series where you'd say, you know, Graves has got to be good for them to win. <laughs> And not like it hinged on him, but he was certainly positive. <laughs> um, I guess you'd say Grubauer too. Like yeah, he's been he, good he all year, good. but he he had a good series, uh, and he was was maybe a little shaky at, at the last couple weeks of the regular season. So he he definitely took it back up a notch, which we needed to see. Yeah, yep. he, and... he mostly had light work in in most of these games, so. Um, he, he didn't even need to be all that, but he mostly was all that, and we take it. And I also like Nuke a lot. Um, I loved the greedy goal at the end of the last game. Um, that was hilarious. Did just... net? <laughs> <laughs> Three seconds left. <laughs> he did fight off uh, that guy, though. I, it is yeah. true. Like, he definitely could have said, like, this is over, but now he's yeah. like, nope. <laughs> he could have nope. eaten that me a goal. <laughs> He could have easily eaten that puck. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, the, the things that don't show up on the score sheet a lot, the, the zone entries, um, you know, the, the, the good play in the neutral zone and, and on breakouts and whatnot. I mean, that, that's, that was all in evidence. So, you know, that, that stuff was all very positive for him as well. Yeah. Nuke was a guy that I was going to bring up as well. Um, just for, for all those reasons that you just mentioned that his, his zone entry play and his four check play was so effective. He he was yeah. he was excellent in in those ways, some of the, some of those ways that are a little bit intangible still, unless you're someone who's tracking, um, by hand, for some reason. And y'all know who you are. <laughs> and thanks. And great job. On the side that we need a little bit more from Andre Burakovsky, one assist. Oh yeah. He was going to yeah, be I, my first pick. <laughs> I, I guess I, I didn't realize that it was that low. I know that I'd picked him as sort of the X factor going in, but maybe it just wasn't his series. He'll he'll definitely have to to show up because he was doing so well at the end of the regular season. So I hope that he hasn't lost that momentum. Maybe it was just the opponent or the matchup, but they're going to need him to be a game changer. Yeah, I mean the 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 disappointing thing is, is a little more than just no points um, or one point. Um, you know, he's just he's not shooting as much, um, and I, I think a lot of that is a confidence thing with him. You see, uh, when was I, I, there was a time I think it was in game two when he had a really good shot and he hesitated and and it went away and he had to pass it and it just there was a little of that going on. Um, he's on fire. I, How can you lose confidence that fast? I I don't know, and does. I think I I think honestly, like Kadri being suspended, um, you know, that puts him in a, a totally different role on that line, um, you know, because you you don't really have a center anymore, and so he's going to be doing most of the heavy lifting as far as getting the puck through the neutral zone, um. You know, a lot of puck collection in in the offensive zone and things like that. So, I think he'll bounce <clears throat> back. He had a good year, and and also I can't recall anything bad he did on the defensive side. Yeah, 
Another name that comes to mind for me as, again, not necessarily bad, but we can get a little bit better, um, would be Devon Taves. I felt like he had some really good moments, but mostly was just kind of there. Yeah, I I mean, I, I get why people like him a lot and, and really rave about him because, you know, that he does do a lot of things very well, but um, he can turn that puck over in the defensive zone really easy sometimes. Yeah, he kind of got, especially in, in game, like game four, everyone was rolling, but but for some reason, Taves kind of had the yips. And when you're when you're facing the Vegas Golden Knights, who want nothing more than to just live in your zone and beat you up if you so much as look at the puck, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know Bender I, I... really likes his consistency, but it does seem like he has a little bit of those inconsistent moments. Like, he he plays the same way all the time, which is great, but like you mentioned, he can it seems like he's maybe not entirely engaged when some of that stuff happens from time to time. Well, it's interesting, like when I was looking at sort of uh, some rate statistics in detail or midway through the season, he has a he has a very suppressive effect on both offense and defense. And I think that's gotten a little bit better as he's gotten more accustomed to the system. And, um, but it's just I, I, I think sort of we haven't wrung the Islanders out of him totally yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not something I worry about. I, I, I do think it, it sort of with a full training camp and everything like that going into next season, um, you know, I, I think he'll be fully a Colorado Avalanche player at that point, but it just, um, it, it's something you got to watch because he kind of needs people around him to, to snap him out of being suppressive at both ends. Anyone else we want to put, put on this pile? I've, I, f I feel like this one's just too easy. I'll have to come with someone else, but obviously Kadri. Well, if he gets to see any action in this series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I guess is where we should mention that he did have his hearing with Batman on I believe it was Thursday. They haven't said anything and it's like you know, if you're not going to reduce it, just say you're not so he can move on and and set up the the third well, I portion. Think that might be the point. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, but why? It's sort of like, a pocket veto, but it's also a holiday weekend, and you know, it's completely justifiable <laughs> for Bettman to not say a word just about. Just say this no. I, I, I don't know. I mean, Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> if he's not going to reduce it to three games, then what's the rush? <laughs> okay, so you're saying like he's not going to be able to file his or set anything up till Tuesday anyway, so. What difference does it make? I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to sit here on an idealist perch here and just say, like, you know, let's let's do what makes sense because I know life doesn't work that way, but it just, it doesn't I mean, there's make a due sense. process to this, which I do respect. Like, this isn't something that should go really quickly. Um, so you're you just know. saying they're pretending because it is a holiday weekend. So nobody is working. They're just pretending they're working so that it makes it look like they at, I'm not saying that, but I mean, sat down like, and considered the argument. I mean, okay. well, let's say he had handed down a decision like five minutes after the hearing and just been like, nope, no reduction. So yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, you want to see like, him like carefully consider both sides of this. And 
write a thoughtful yeah, but opinion it's like on. Yeah, like forty-eight it. hours. It, it's been forty-eight Th- hours. This Come is on, man. this is Batman we're talking about. Batman doesn't do anything willy-nilly. He had already planned out all the possible ways he could imagine that that hearing might go, and and knew what decisions to make in each of those scenarios. That's just the way the man works. Yeah. He is a relentless planner. So. But yeah, he's still suspended for eight games as of this recording, so no word from the appeal yet. Yeah, and I don't expect anything different. Bednar says he doesn't expect anything different. I I don't know. I could have seen like a small reduction, maybe to like six, just to kind of, you know, make it look like that they, they considered, you know, certain things. And, and let's be real, to kind of take maybe a little bit of this... Uh, racism angle out of it and say okay we're giving you a little break but like okay you're right this is a little out of line with some of the other decisions we put down okay and it's still like (laughs) six and it's still like you're gonna miss four games of the vegas series it's still a harsh punishment yeah so i don't know i still think that's possible because if you're just gonna say no like you could have said no by friday afternoon like that's when you bury news everyone knows you bury news anyway so to me, it is a little weird that's taking time, but yeah, I mean, we're not going to see, see him anytime yeah. soon either way. There, there just seems to be an incredible lack of hurry about this whole thing on the NHL side. So they're apparently I mean, it, comfortable with, with the way it is. <laughs> if it really does get into next week, is he going to say, you know, this is taking too long. I don't want the third party because... This series is get you know gonna this thing's gonna be done in a week anyway. Like the eight games will have passed. So at that point, you just say you just live with it, or is it about making? Yeah, a I don't like. I don't think a third party arbitrator is gonna have time to do anything about this because by the time a third party arbitrator gets a hearing scheduled, uh, hears the arguments and has time to carefully consider and write an opinion on it, it's gonna be like it's gonna be the end know, of it. Second second week of June, so. Or is it more about making the point? So I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> but he's obviously one that, you know, hasn't played that well. And if we ever do get to see That's him thing. I think again, he actually was playing well in this series. Until he was then. doing okay. He was doing okay. I wouldn't say he was, like, back. But he was getting there. But if we ever do see him play again this season, he's... He's going to have to make an impact. He's going to have to make an impact. He, because I he's think... He's not EJ. He's going to play again. Well, assuming that we make and it out of this, this series playoff, alive. We might not see him again. I mean, if we don't see him again, something went horribly wrong. Well, Which okay, it but... easily can. Vegas is a good hockey team. I know. But, okay, you know... I know we're all like on the optimism train here, but if we don't see him play again this year and you go into the off season, I think there's serious questions about what can you really count on from him moving forward? Like, like I said, before we started the playoffs, he was going to need to show up and the opposite happened. He showed up a little too much. He went away. He's gone. (laughs) He showed up and then he left. And, uh, I'm just saying, like, the, the whole year is not, like, a great memory. So, um, 
you don't really want to have that lasting impression going into the off season. So for his sake, he needs to get back on the ice and play and do something for the Avs so that that's the lasting impression and not pretty much sucking the whole year and then getting suspended. Right. And I mean, we all want to see Nas like he was at last year's playoffs when he had five game winning goals and, you know, he's heavily involved with, with how well they did up until. And I still, I think he can, I still think he can be that player, but he has to do it too. So staying off ice for, for a few more minutes, um, Colorado signed a few entry level contracts this week too. Jean-Luc Foudy earns his. Regular listeners to the show will remember he's the OHL refugee who's been actually pretty awesome for the Eagles. Uh, they also signed Alex Bocage, who was a 2019 third-round pick and has more than a point a game in the queue this season. And they signed their 2019 seventh, too, goaltender Trent Miner. He had a 9.03 save percentage as a, as a WHL refugee with the Eagles this season and then went back to junior because the W reopened and just led the league in shutouts. No big deal. Thumbs up all around. Yeah, happy um, with all of them. Um, I'm 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 glad about Foodie and Miner. I I'm not a big fan of Bocage, but um, you know, I, I it can't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Foodie, okay, well, they're all three are a little different situations. Like Foodie, uh, because he was drafted in. 2020 and he's 18 years old like they could have waited till next spring to do it so this was one of the rare occasions that the Avs did an early contract for somebody that presumably is not going to play pro next year I guess we'll see if lawyers and yeah, such th- come I up think with we'll see on arguments that. but um, <clears throat> if things stay as they are he would be back in junior and they could have waited which he played the entire year. He actually played every single game. He was never scratched, never injured. Like he was one of only two guys that played every single game in the AHL and did well. I think he was like fourth on the team in scoring. So I was just thrilled that he was rewarded and given some dang money because he was just on a tryout. Like those guys aren't even paid. They so. get per diem. Okay, and then I'm sure the housing was taken care of, but literally the guy was not paid a wage for spending an entire year in the AHL as a pro hockey player. So they really needed to like give the kid a break and give him some money. So I'm I'm just glad that they, and also just to reward him. I mean, he did so well. So I I think everyone should just be thrilled with anything having to do with foodie. Um, Bocage. Like, yeah, he's easily the guy that's, like, never going to play in the AHL and, and and then we'll just forget about him quickly. But he is, like, a – he's not <laughs> – he's not, like, the Ty Lewis sort of, you know, energy tryhard player. Like, this guy has a Burakovsky-like shot. He's a sniper. He's just not a great – he has good sides. He's just not a great skater. But if somehow – put it mildly. Somebody <laughs> – helps him in that area i mean he has yeah. an nhl level shot right now and and he has he's been close to two points per game in the q playoffs they're now in the finals i mean he's been in, and he even missed the first round because of a contact trace situation so he i think he's like one point off leading the whole league in playoff scoring almost close to two points per game so this is more than just like 19 year old does good at the end of his Q career. Like 
he might get this team a champ an, a championship, and he won a championship with the Huskies two years ago. So, like, you can't let that guy go. You have to sign that guy. You took him in the sec in the third round. You're not letting that guy go. Like somebody else will sign him. So that's what they needed to do. Now, whether they give a crap about him in the AHL at all, I mean, we'll know by Christmas. Um, <laughs> you know, if they take him seriously at all or not, but they did what they had to do. You just can't not sign that guy. That's just a stupid waste of resources. And then Minor, I never really took all that seriously. Like he was a seventh round that I think they just drafted because he was on the same team Byram was and they were familiar with him. But and then his year last year was okay, not great. But then he comes into the AHL. He they weren't even planning on playing him. It's just when Frank went down and the goalie crisis happened and they took all the AHL goalies, I was like, well, I guess he's playing now. And then he played well. Like, he was their best goalie. At yeah, the time, their best goalie went... until Werner went back down. Yeah, like, at the time, he had two of their three wins. <laughs> yeah. When he left. And then he went back to the WHL and he had four consecutive shutouts to start the season. And his team wasn't stacked either because you know they didn't have Byram anymore. They weren't fabulous, so, um, so he he earned it. I don't. I'm not sure that they were even really that interested. But you know, if that's how it happened, where a guy actually just says, "Hey, you know, give me a contract," and and then they did. Yeah, it, I, I I think Miner's a good story just because of sort of fell ass backwards into a starting job that he wasn't supposed to have and did well with it and kept it running. Um, you know, as you said, he, he definitely earned that contract this season. And it's good. He might just be an organizational guy. Like I highly doubt the Avs will ever use him, but at, at worst, he's a good AHL goalie and you need those guys. In more looking ahead and amateur news, Elliot Friedman reported on Thursday that the Az will not bring back Alan Heppel, 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 formerly the director of amateur scouting. He's been replaced internally by Wade Klippenstein, who was a Brandon Wheat Kings guy until Colorado plucked him a few years ago. The draft and amateur scouting being, you know, not my area. Go ahead and tell the people what this means, and then we'll talk second round. Um, it's interesting. I think the timing's interesting. Like, it's not unusual that scouts move on. They I think they tend to have, like, two- to three-year contracts, so it sounds like his contract was up, but... Right, he, he, he was, wasn't sacked. It was, your contract's not renewed. Well, he also was replaced, so, like, he's not going to be running the draft in July, and, you know, usually that, that's what happens. Your Your contract is up by the end of the league year, the draft, and then, you know, you move on. So it also could just be part of, like, uh, we know you're moving on. We don't really want you making decisions. So I don't I don't think we get the vibe that he was, like, fired, fired. Because, like we had just discussed, like, they're giving his draft picks contracts. I think that's the way you kind of look at it. I think a lot of people look at, you know, we're all these guys that were NHL players. And, of course, our argument is you need to look at the development system Billington, et cetera. It's not all just about drafting. But I think if you want to look at how the organization views a guy's picks is do those guys get signed? I think that's a pretty direct correlation there. And they had just signed a lot of his picks 
So I don't think it's that they were like unhappy with what the quality of the players they're bringing into the organization. So maybe he decided to move on. Maybe they had decided to make a change. But what what they did was by promoting Klippenstein is is he it doesn't change much. Like he's been around. He he's been part of the organization since before the Macar draft. He's a WHL slash Western guy, so he did have a pretty big hand in the Byron pick and. But also like Newhook and Makar because the, the those guys were like Western Canada as well. So you could also look at it as they were been pretty happy with his work since they've done well in that area. But um you know, I so like I said, it's interesting. I don't think it's gonna be a huge change. Like I think there's some sentiment like, oh my god, Heppel's done so well, what are they doing? It could even just be about money. Like he's been the head scout for a while and you expect to get compensated for that. And maybe you just think not much is going to change if you elevate this other guy. So, um, you know, I'm fine with it. I, I guess we'll see his first draft will be coming up. Yeah. I think it's interesting also that, um, Norm Robert left at the same time from what we're hearing. And those are, you know, that Heppel and, and Robert were basically the guys that covered the OHL and, and Ontario. Which is um, funny so, because yeah, like sad. they the OHL didn't have games this year. So it's almost like I don't know, I made the joke <laughs> that we we're just stopped paying those guys because they they didn't have players to see. And of course you need OHL guys and I'm sure they did other things as well. I, I think there was a photo of Ro- Robert at uh the U eighteen. So th- they were doing work. But I guess yeah. it's disappointing for them that you put the work in for a year and you're not even getting a table. Yeah. So that, and, that and, is a little weird. But <laughs> it's funny, they haven't made a lot of picks in the OHL. So you could right. say, you know, the organization disappointed. with They didn't like a lot of the work that was put into the, to the OHL. But then you could also say it hasn't really suffered either. And then, and then you have Foodie, yeah, who I mean, we just talked like about. They've got was so Timmons impressive. and Foodie out of, out of the <laughs> OHL. So, right. I mean, that's, that's pretty good stuff. Um, but uh, you, if you look back, you know, before Heppel's time, when Pracy was the head scout, it's like they would take four guys from the OHL and stuff like that. And it's just, that's not what they're doing anymore. I mean, they're, they're much more heavily focused on Western Canada, Junior A, um, the USHL, um, Halifax area, of course. Um, so it's, it, yeah, I, I wish they would it, do more. It could with be your... that those guys were just sort of like, uh, you know, this organization is not a great fit for what we do. And, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we just need to leave or whatever. I, I, I really doubt it's, it's something, um, you know, if some sort of friction between them and management, it, it's just sort of not a fit anymore, it seems like. Yeah. Well, Especially for Robert, if they're never getting guys from your area, that it also just means you don't have a voice. Like they're they're not taking your suggestions for those maybe one hundred and and higher pick. So I I don't mind if they keep kind of the same philosophy in the way they're drafting, and I think they've done a good job with the junior A stuff, especially getting Makar and Newhook, which I think was a little bit of a market inefficiency. I just 
wish that they would do more with Europe. And people say, but they do. Like, I'm not counting sixth rounders. That's not an investment. Like, an investment would be either these late firsts, they're going to have second and third round picks where they're comfortable leaving them in Europe. And those guys can come over NHL ready. Like, other teams do that. And so that's my disappointment in the scouting staff. I I highly doubt Klippenstein's going to change that. But you never know. Maybe... Maybe he has different philosophies about where guys are playing and things like that. All right. It took seven games, but the Vegas Golden Knights made it past the Minnesota Wild. And that seventh game was really entertaining, by the way. Max Pacioretty is back for them, and he looked great, honestly, so that's no good. Uh, game one <laughs> is on Sunday, likely tonight, as you listen to the show. Six o'clock Mountain on Big Boy NBC. So let's do it. Avs, Golden Knights, who survives to the semifinal? Well, I have to yeah, pick. Might take um, it. <laughs> I have to pick them. I mean, I'm not going to not pick them. It's going to be like six or seven games, though. I know I said this, this Blues series might be a little stressful. Like, this series will be stressful. There's no maybe about it. I think it's going to be interesting tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening. Sunday, what the Avs look like coming out of the gate. Um, like they really needed this rest, but what they don't need is the rust. And sort of how how does that play out? Because Vegas is coming off an emotional win, emotional win, they're not going to have any rest and very little time to prep. So <clears throat> I, I think we could see just about anything in the first period of that game, and. You know, if Landy comes out and sets the tone like he did against St. Louis, uh, that would be fantastic. You know, I, I'd love to see um, some good physical play, speed, and a couple of goals to begin the game and just sort of continue the series like that, um, and they'll be fine. Yeah, I think I the Avs need an, an early lead. Like, yeah, it would be big to win game one. They really kind of have to now that they're at home. And just to get an early lead, just to say, like, just to assert themselves in that way and saying, like, you had trouble scoring against Minnesota. Like, it, it ain't, you're not going to get by with that here. What you don't want is to see, like, no scoring. We're in the third period. It's like 0-0, zero, zero, just like how they started the series with the Wild. And it's, it's yeah, like, it's and, you, and you'd be fine with that because it's not like they're leading either, but the Avs need to show that they're going to press the issue offensively. Um, contrary to that, Vegas scored the first goal in, I think, six of the games uh, they played head-to-head this year. Um, and obviously they did not win all of those. Um, and the Avs were fine with playing a little bit from behind. I mean, they even... There was that game where I think it was Petrangelo scored maybe a minute or two in, and the Avs ended up winning five to one. Um, you know, the, the last game where where Comfer wins it in the third period, they didn't score first in that one either. So, you know, they have been resilient, but yeah, I you really you really do want to see that lead early. Um, I, I think that's going to be key because. This is going to be a team they're going to have very little chance of scoring on the power play against. Um, and if they do, it's probably going to be in situations where the game is, is not really close. So 
um, that's not something you can count on. What you're counting on is is playing better at 5v5 and, and hoping special teams just sort of evens out. And you know, my favorite thing is to rip on the power play. And I didn't even know they've only they only scored one power play goal against Vegas in the eight games. That's the 21 a tries. Of concern. <laughs> and that goal and the goal they did score was Don Scoy on the second unit. Yeah. So the first unit did not score whatsoever against Vegas the whole year. And yeah. this is where our complaints about the power play are, are going to show up or not. If if they actually score on the power play and win this series, then, you know, I'll drop it for the most part anyway. But I'll say, <laughs> you know what, they they proved it. But if we're sitting here doing a postmortem show, it's power play not scoring is definitely going to be something that comes up. It's tough, though. I mean, Vegas's penalty kill is one of the best in the league. And, and even if you don't look at it statistically, just structurally, it's incredibly difficult to score against. They're very disciplined. Um, you know, Mark Stone is, is, might be the best penalty killer in the entire league. So you've got that to deal with. You're going to have pressure on you all the time. You can't just stand around like they like to do. So... So, so, so draw hope. penalties on Mark Stone is what you're telling me. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great idea. Um, but no, I, I just, I'm sure Bednar is aware of this, and and perhaps he's he's putting in some things in this week such that um, maybe they do change things up a little bit. You know, we've seen them a lot when they rotate guys. It does tend to confuse the opponent a little bit. Like when you put Mac behind the net and Miko over in Mac's spot and Landy over in Miko's spot, that kind of stuff. Um, One of the little points. Vegas is so good at at killing penalties. You're just, you're not going to get by with what they usually do. You're not going to use your talent and just be like, okay, here we go. Whoop, right in the net. It's just, that's not going to happen. One of their pointless video clips, they had Sam shaded pretty far on that left side, and I on the second unit, which I know that they kind of because because it's the two defensemen unit. Um, but uh, to me, it looked a little bit more pronounced than than usual. But you know, these are things I would get out of it if I was allowed to watch practice. You know, it's disappointing nobody else does. You know, can make real observations, but. <laughs> we'll see soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, I, I think this is gonna be a great goalie battle. I mean Flurry Flurry played pretty good. I don't think he was as good against Minnesota in this series or, or maybe even all all year as as he was against the Avs because he really had their number this year. Um but Grubauer's been, you know, really good as well. So, Did Leonard play at all in that series? It seemed like every time I was trying to pay attention, Flurry was in that. I don't. I think Leonard played the last game. No, um, he he. Flurry was in Game Seven. I mean the no no no. I mean um, series, against, not us. against us. Oh yeah. okay, yeah. No, I know we saw uh, Flurry most. I meant in the Minnesota series. I feel I, like Flurry played all those games, but I think he might have. I'm gonna. But I'm yeah, sure. He's very good. He's very experienced. Um, you know, the, the the Avs generally have had problems with him, but it, it seems like if he's having a bad night against the Avs, it goes really bad. And that doesn't happen often. 
you kind of have to make the chaos work against him. Like you can kind of see that that's how Minnesota is getting to him a little bit. Is they know that he kind of likes to be a little bit dramatic, and you you <laughs> use that against him. Yeah, you have to create chaos, like. And the Avs have to know this. Like, it, it's not all going to be these great shots because he can stop a lot of those really good shots. Yeah. And you're going to have to create a little bit of wreck a little havoc around the crease. And maybe that, that's what they know. Because like you said earlier about Sampo, he is a little unpredictable and he's going to do it right in front of the goalie. So. Right. And it, it, Yeah, exactly. It's like if you're thinking of, of ways that you need to beat Flurry. Like, what Sampo is able to do it would be right up there. Um, like, I'm a huge fan of transition shots and, you know, getting breaks and stuff like that. But it's, I, I almost think that, that you really do need more of a power game to beat Flurry than, than um, a transition game. Just confirming, all Flurry, no Leonard. Although there were several games in there where Flurry did not face 20 shots 5-on-5. Five five. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Avs got at least twenty in each game against Vegas this this season. Um, I that was something that I really did want to to find out because you know they had been very diligent about switching those guys back and forth, and then suddenly it's just all flurry in the playoffs. And that's you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's probably the right call. Mm-hmm. Um, he Fle- was around Flurry's just been better, season. right? And, and right, he's yeah, been like more experienced during the season. Like I thought against Minnesota, because obviously Vegas lost several games, they might switch it up more. Like against us, I I expect Flurry, and I would have just because he was so successful against us that that's what they were going to do anyway. But so it surprises me a little bit Minnesota that maybe they didn't switch it up. But then I'd have to look and see. You know, Flurry have a great history against them too. I don't know, hear that much, but <laughs> right, and it, and it um, could end up, you know, if the Avs get a couple of, you know, fairly strong wins at the Ballerino, and then go back to Vegas, you know, maybe they think about making a switch or something like that. But it, you just, you would definitely expect Flurry in net for the first. Oh two yeah, games. definitely, and and they need to get those like tips going, like how that Parise goal last night that was hilarious yeah the puck is bouncing and he just hikes it with a stick and finds his way in like okay he won a face off through the five hole pretty much (laughs) so for for me because because game one is honestly kind of a toss-up at this point the abs are going to be rusty as hell but you could easily see vegas coming in kind of flat too after having just you know finally survived their seven game series and then they win game seven pretty emphatically like yes minnesota keeps coming back and then vegas keeps pulling right ahead again like nope this is ours like you can you can see kind of a letdown game for them maybe in game one so i mean game one is a total toss-up for me which which means that the series will be won in games two and three you need game two honestly more than you need game one and you've got to, at worst, split in Vegas. Yeah. Well, you de- you I, have I mean, definitely I... have to win one at home, and then you definitely have to win one there. Yeah. You pretty much need to be two and two after the first two. I mean, I'm sure that everyone would hope for better, but you have to be at least that. 
I, I think it's even I, I think it's important for the Avs to to get this series over quickly. Um, you know, like we saw with some of the betting odds today, you know, the Avs are heavy favorites unless it goes to a game seven. Which doesn't um, make sense to me because they have the game seven it, at home. Yeah, it's really like, weird. It is weird. Um, but I kind of agree and it's not it's not because the Avs choke in game sevens and, or anything like that. It's just I think that since they're favored, if they don't close it out before it gets to a game seven, that sort of that that gives Vegas a little bit more momentum and confidence going into that game, I would think. Well, it, it it also depends how you get to game seven, and we we wouldn't know that right now. So yeah. I think, you know, if if the abs are digging out of a hole, they might have momentum and Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If, if Vegas takes three out of the first four and then the Avs come back and force a game seven. Yeah, and... sort of like the Dallas series. Yeah. Then that's a little bit different than than if we choke it. If it's like a real back and forth, basically like just trade games, I don't know that anybody would necessarily have the momentum. I and mean, usually whoever wins game six has momentum, but I don't know. We'll see. Like, this is the whole argument of they needed home ice, blah, blah, blah. You want to have the game seven at home. So. It would be pretty disappointing to not to see that not matter at all. Unless they don't need it. <laughs> I don't see how this is gonna be quick. Uh-uh. If, if we're sitting here next weekend talking about like, oh, we're we're pretty close to a four or five game win here, then yeah, I'll eat a bunch of crow and I'll be thrilled, but I don't see it. This is going to be at least six, probably seven. It's gonna be tough. And if you are a, a neutral fan, I... this is the series to watch. Like, holy crap. This is going to be awesome. Especially if you like staying up late. If you're a fan <laughs> of the Avalanche or a fan of the Golden Knights, I recommend getting in with your doctor and getting some blood pressure medication. Yeah, it's going to be stressful. It was great having a whole series that wasn't stressful and then a week off, but we, we got to get mentally prepared now. <laughs> Vacation's over. And I, and I swear, the more the, that we go into the playoffs and people just refuse to learn what penalties in the playoffs are not, like, stop except expecting to get a penalty. Ever. It's yeah. not happening. Well, we want, truly, we want the most of the series to be at 5-on-5, five five, which also means we're not getting power plays. Right. Because if the Avs get a power play, you gotta remember how this works. This is the NHL. <laughs> if Colorado gets a power play, now Vegas are owed a power play. And we don't want that. We want as few penalties as possible. We want as much five on five as possible. So if yeah, we're during not the season, anything, fine. Uh, during the season, um, you know, this was pretty even. The Avs had twenty-one power plays. Vegas had twenty-three. Um, that's pretty low event penalty-wise. It was five and a half penalty events per game, as opposed to the Avs generally had seven. So sounds good to that, me. That that does bode well. Um, you know, if they, if they can keep it sort of low penalty event, you know, neither team getting a lot of calls. Um, that That's what we want to see for sure. Definitely. And I think it has to be brought up. Like, I do hate sort of the physicality topic, the narrative. And it was nice to see, like we said, the Avs punched first against the Blues. And then, too, they just had to abandon the whole gooning it up because it wasn't working for them. And it's interesting in the Vegas against Minnesota, they did at times like they abandoned it when they couldn't score. But 
they brought the physicality yesterday and see that's the problem is when Vegas gets an early lead and then they bring the physicality you almost can't stop it and yeah, I great. do they think... hurt a bunch of guys and then won it was <laughs> right. awesome <laughs> right that's exactly what they want to do and first I'm... period they took out Brodine it's like right. this is easy <laughs> right exactly and it's a lie to say that I'm not concerned about that like I don't think there are a bunch of shrinking violets here but Vegas is a bigger team. They play a lot more on the edge than the Avs do. And they probably will take somebody out. If the human charging line missed their flight to Denver, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Are they the worst hockey players in the, Av- in the Vegas lineup? <laughs> yeah. Probably. That doesn't matter. They're At least McNabb has COVID, so he's not going to be taking anybody out. Right. At least start, but... But we still have Ryan Reeves, who does things like interfere with Ryan Suter so that his face goes directly into the post. And then, obviously, <laughs> Vegas 28, who has never seen a charging penalty he didn't try to take. I well, found he, it he didn't play they, last night. I found yeah, it interesting, yeah, that they chose not to play Reeves and Kolasar. I found that interesting. Not, not Kolasar. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, the other guy. No, they, they did not play Reeves and Kolasar last night, which I found that interesting. They played Reeves, obviously, but they did not dress Kolasar last night. Yeah, healthy scratch. Uh, yeah, I found that interesting. Like, which is, you know, fine with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's dumb I, to say that we should be scared of these fourth liners, but... Well, again, if you... If you are the Vegas coaching staff and you're looking at how the Abs played against St. Louis, um, you're like this. This, you know, being physical might be a plan B, but that could get us burnt because it it sure did. Well, yeah, they're going to need goals. For sure. yeah. They need goals, but that's why I said that's a problem. If they get a lead and then they can play the goon squad. That's when it becomes starts to become a problem. Well, they they just don't do it the same way St. Louis does it. With Vegas, just has a heavy style of play. That's just what they do. They they yeah. get the puck and they blast it through you into the net, and there's nothing you can do about it. St. Louis's physicality was, oh, I'm on the forecheck, I must now hit you. I'm also on the forecheck, I must also now hit you. Why do you have a four <laughs> on two? I'm confused. Oh yeah, they got burned that way, and that'd be great if the Avs can burn Vegas that way, where. Um, but it seems like they learn too. Like Vegas is really good about stopping passes and not necessarily just like breakout passes, but we've seen it in games before when the abs think that they can do their little cross ice passes in transition. It doesn't work. Like Vegas yeah. is too smart about that. And Vegas for as heavy as they play, what makes them interesting is that they are a good transition team as well. Yeah, they don't, so, they don't I mean, have they... quite the speed that Colorado has, but they, they move up ice as a team very well. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that would worry me, and, and we've discussed this before, is is the way that they back off their forecheck and guard the blue line and, and you know make it so their their main focus is preventing zone exits. Um or either that or they're forcing the defenseman to carry the puck rather than make a pass. And well, we got some defense that can, can work that. F- Right, and that can work fine, but I think the advantage that you have when you have uh, Gerard Macar and even Taves to an extent 
is that you know you have guys that can carry the puck out against a, a team like Vegas that's very good at preventing passes out of this. Yeah, they um, really need Sam for that because he can carry it through the mess they try to create. Right. Being elusive is is a really good thing against this Vegas team. And both Sam and McCarr are very good at being elusive. Um, and it, then, you know, like, like something that's going to drive me crazy, I already know, is that Nemeth is not going to be able to do anything to get out of the zone. <laughs> and what they can basically do is let him have the puck, cover the other defenseman for the D2D pass, and then stand up at the blue line, and he's just going to stand there and cry. And... <laughs> <laughs> and that's just you know that that's a tough situation and, and um you know we've seen like Timmons and Byram are very good at spotting ways to pass through you know a, a tough forecheck like that um so I mean that that could be helpful um we're not sure um Graves is also pretty good at passing it out like that but it's just you know, you need to have the option to be able to skate through those guys and get through that layer. Because once you do, once you break down that layer, it's it's easier than you think to get into the zone and, and start setting up because they're, you know, they're heavy forward. Every system has risk and reward. And the risk right. to that system is, oh, they've gotten through four of our guys at their own blue line. Right. And now there's three guys behind us and shit <laughs> yeah like i do remember that that the abs are able to get the transition going it's just it has to be more direct because then if you give them time to catch up they will cut off those passes so it's like once you get the puck you you have to be in the zone and you have to be decisive and you probably only get one pass or one play and it's got to be at the net yeah so keys to the series for the avalanche you're not allowed to say goaltending because that's always the key to the series um, yeah. but from just, just from what we've said so far, not getting into a penalty battle, keeping this thing at even strength and being very, um, what's the word I want being, being very intentional about how you exit your own zone, making sure that your defenders have support because they're going to need it, making sure that you're not trying to stretch up ice because that pass just isn't going to be there. Yeah. And especially in the second period, it's like, don't get buried on long second period shifts, because that just, um, you know, that that's when Vegas can really put the dagger in your back. Because, um, you know, if they, can, if they can keep you in your zone for a minute and a half in the second period with the long change, um, they're just going to tire you out and you're just going to have nothing in the third. That's when the, the human charging line comes on and just continues cycling and beating you up. Exactly. Um, and I'd say keep the offensive pressure on. Like, obviously, a key to winning is score, but they just, we've seen it in, in other series and, and why Vegas hasn't won the cup and why they can get eliminated is they can get into ruts where they have tr real trouble scoring. Yeah, they, they have a yeah. lot of talent, but they don't have a lot of talent on the high end. Right, the finishing can be an issue at times, and so you, if you just really force the issue there, and and you get them into questioning their production and being able to find a goal, that's kind of how w the Avs can work their style more against them. 
Yeah, if you can get if you can get Vegas gripping their sticks, I think that works very well in your favor. Um, but of course, it doesn't take you know top flight Vegas talent to get goals. Sometimes Matthias Janmark can just go full Forsberg, and I don't know what that first goal was. That was ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, they're getting scoring from their defensemen too. So yep. So, but but it's it's not necessarily just just to say, oh well, you need to score goals. Lol. It's I mean the the offensive pressure is a real thing. Too many times this Avalanche team has been guilty of miss the net and the puck comes out of the zone. That need to limit that. <laughs> you need to limit that. Cause yeah. every zone entry against Vegas is precious. So yeah, what yeah, I don't want to see is like the too fancy. Like if it takes them two or three games to figure out like cut the fancy shit, it's not gonna work. They'll be in trouble. Like they need to have that. We're you're gonna have to grind it out mindset. If the transition's there and we can take a really good shot, great. But you're probably not gonna beat Flurry with the fancy stuff. And two, it's gonna be way too easy to turn over. So they're gonna have to, you know, get pucks deep. <laughs> take his eyes away. Yeah, traffic at the net, but Bednar's going to say that about 1,800 times. You know who gets traffic at the net? Sampo Ranta. <laughs> yes. Yes, he, he is, he is traffic. <laughs> big enough. <laughs> He's a big dude. He can get down there. So yeah. so then you're um, looking for results from Gabe Landeskog. You're looking for results from Jonas Donskoy, from Val Nechushkin, from yeah. Brandon Saad. Um, the, those are really the names that you were hoping to see on the scoreboard. Damn, that was a noisy kick. Um, maybe even Belmare, honestly. Like it, it is Vegas, so you're gonna see at least one, maybe two hundred foot empty net goals from PE Belmar. Yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll just get the puck in between his own circles and just take a slap shot. That's bang on. He just does that. It's fine. He likes to score against his old team too. I I do think he might be good for a real five on five goal. Maybe so. It's been a minute or since Or get he had a shorty. One. Now would be the time to get your second shorthanded goal Yo, of for the real. season. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely. Looking at you, Comfer. If you want to have another two shorty shift, Comfer, I will allow it. I think that'd yeah. be fine. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I, I think the short version of everything that we're saying here is the, was we think the Avs are the better team. We think that they have a better chance of winning the series, but woo, it's close. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I, and I think this is why not only it's going to be an enjoyable series for us, but just for an average hockey fan. I mean, it, you know, I mean, most people don't like watching the abs because they are on it late at night and things like that. Um, but I, I do think this series is going to draw a lot of people to it. I think the Carolina Tampa series will too. Um, and they seem to be, they will be, they're in sync with us Sunday. I don't know how their schedule will go from there, but um, you know, those are the two series that people are pointing at. I know they'll probably overload on Boston Islanders for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the it's probably like these four teams were considered four of the best teams in the league, and they're playing each other in the second round. So you you don't want to miss this if you can help it. And we always knew that this was probably the most likely outcome, so... Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if... Yeah, not a whole lot of options. <laughs> if, if Colorado end up dropping this series, this it's not another second-round flame out. Like, this is 
these are two of the best teams in the league, and they've met too early, is, and so it so it goes. That is the talking point I wanted to get to because I, I feel like at least that conversation is out there, and and um, I can see it both sides that it's it's another second round exit if it happens, and um, they that's one big thing they have to prove they can go deep in the playoffs. But I think, and especially how it happens, right? If it's close, it goes six or seven. Then you just tip your cap and and you. I would want them to win the cup. I would want Vegas to win the cup if mm-hmm. they beat us. I've always liked Vegas and and I think if they go on to win it, it you could say, you know what, you we were just beat by a great team. But you know there is a lot of thought out there that is this the best team they're ever going to have? I don't agree with that viewpoint. But there are a lot of people that say this team is going to get more expensive. You might not have Sod back. You know, can they? Can they even pay for Grubauer? Is this it? Is this their best chance? Especially since if they get through this, you're not really that scared of anybody else. Like Tampa, Avs Tampa, that probably be another tough series. But yeah. really other than and I think Carol, Caroline is obviously good, like Earl just said. But if they get through Vegas, boy, you're really feeling like this could be special. And yeah, is this their enough... best chance? It's certainly yeah, a good one. They're... There are enough lower seeds that won in the first round um, that you're going to be facing, you know, a three or a four seed. And they um, can't face Tampa if, if they move on. So we already know that. So, yeah. Right. Um, that would have to be a cup final. Right. So, you know, it's it's going to be Boston Islanders or whoever comes out of the north. And that's probably probably so we can't play life. Toronto either. Yeah, like, it's impossible. So. Um, well, I have Montreal coming out of the north, so that's where it's at. <laughs> Play Montreal, then. But, you know, for me, it's uh, about the core, and it's about guys that like Byram and Newhook. They're only going to get better. They're not going to be rookies. I don't I don't think, like, Sod makes or breaks it. Plus, like, they're going to get somebody in the offseason. <laughs> I was never do nothing in the offseason. But, you know, until they until we see what they do with Grubauer, I guess it's hard to say, like, are they going to be better next year or not? So do they, do they have to do it now? I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, I do think when you have guys like Byron and Newhook and, and maybe even, you know, putting Sampo and, and Timmons in sort of a second tier of, of younger players that, that could come in and help. And, you know, you even have, you know, foodie who could be someone important in, in three, four or five years. Um, they are set to reload on the fly fairly well um, without having to do a lot of cap shenanigans. You know, they're, they're going to lose some of the old, more older expensive players, but I, I, I think as long as you're, you're keeping the top line and Makar intact, there's just no team really has yeah. an answer for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> like those guys aren't going anywhere and in, Maybe they have to lose a Burakovsky. It's not like they're going to have nothing. Like, this team is not going to just never sign anybody. Yeah. Or trade for anybody. And if that does end up being the case, it's because they've got somebody who's come up through their own system who's ready to fill that role. Yeah, that'd be nice, too. It'd be nice if you had a few of your own cheap, and then maybe you spend the money on one guy. 
then that guy's probably decent. So that's where we're at. Um, where the winner of this series, I think, is probably most people's cup favorite, in, unless you're a Carolina stan, um, which there are several of you. A lot of people. I do like Carolina too. A lot of people think Carolina's got what it takes to get there. I think that um, Colorado pretty much beats them at their own game in most ways. But if uh, whoever wins this series I, I is my cup favorite, and I hate that it's round two, but. That's the way it is. Other series around the league, Carolina, Tampa, that'll be really rad too, depending on how much Tampa wants to play hockey. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I have not watched any of the Islanders versus a black and yellow team yet this postseason. I'm not going to start now. Um, I watched like five minutes of Islanders Penguins and that was plenty. And then up, I saw enough. Yeah, yeah. it's just basically a lot of the a lot of the same. I don't <laughs> mind Boston. It's kind of weird. I do like a lot of their players, so I guess I'd like to see them win. It's it's likely that if the Avs advance, they play the East team. There's obviously a few situations where that's not true, but if you're sort of looking ahead, if you're thinking about what could be coming down the line that's probably the, the matchup that you want to pay attention to. And if you're thinking, what the hell? You just said they can't play Tampa. Tampa's a central team. Don't forget. <laughs> yep. Florida is now central. They really should have just called that the South Division. What were they doing? <laughs> well, that's how it ended up, right? Their better teams are from the South. Just forget all the others. And then, poof, up north, I mean... Game six, Toronto Montreal is in a couple of hours as we speak. Um, so it could already be Toronto and, and Winnipeg, which I think Toronto has. If uh, if Montreal ends up coming out of that series, I don't have a clue. <laughs> 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 I don't know nothing. I, I I would rather I would rather see the Habs win in some reasons, but I I think the team is better off. If they don't win, they don't get any accolades, and they they do end up. Oh, because if they win, then Ducharme he's there yeah, to he's stay. There for, yeah, yeah, he's going to be signing a five year deal, so that's a problem. <laughs> <clears throat> so Habs fans should be rooting against their own team. <laughs> Always a fun it's scenario. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I mean, the Leafs are fun to watch. So the 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 deeper the Leafs want to go, I'm okay with it. Um, as as long as it doesn't get stupid. It's weird. Yeah. Like in theory, I'm always like, yeah, I want to see the Leafs because I I do like watching talented players. But whenever I watch them, it they just play so slow and so disengaged. It drives me a bit crazy. Maybe it's like. The way that Bednar has the abs playing is has been conditioned to kind of look for that, but it's just Toronto's like a lot of empty calories for me. Like <laughs> they're good, but really, it's they're the not white cloth seltzer of hockey. No, see, <laughs> I they are. I love empty calories, so I'm cool with that. I mean, em- I love offense. Empty love calories are the life. best calories. <laughs> I love I love watching skilled players. I love skilled plays, but. You know, when there's five seconds of that actually working in a game and then the rest of it, you're just watching kind of futility and 
soft. Like they really do play soft. It's not it's not just because they're not physical. They just that they don't battle. They're they're not intense. They're like not engaged. It's just I don't think Toronto's that fun. In theory, no, they, they are, mean, but in reality, not so much. They're still so bad defensively, and <laughs> you know their their goalie issues. Um, you know, it's like if they had cleaned that up just a little bit, this series would have been over. <laughs> but they didn't. Well, Jack Campbell's and, been pretty good for them. Which that's yeah, just kind of like mind blowing. He's been okay in this series. Been good enough. Because, I mean, seriously, Montreal... Like, if Montreal scores two goals against you, you're not doing your job very well. (laughs) I mean, Um, when you've got Toronto's defense in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there is that. Um, But I kind of agree with Jackie. It's it's fun watching the skill that the Leafs can put on, and and especially on the power play. Like, I love watching the Leafs power play because it just... It's like 30 years ahead of ours. Boy, do not um, tell that to a Leafs fan. They, I know they were in a slump, though. They really Yeah, were. they were in a huge slump. But, I, I mean, just tactically, like, what they do um, as far as puck movement and how and where they move the puck from and to, I mean, that's just – you look at that and you're like, boy, if, you know, if you could get Mac and, and Landy and, and Miko and Makar doing stuff like that, that's – you know, that's probably like an extra goal per game. You know, I mean, it's like they'd never not score. Um, I it just I don't know why they're just like, why can't we do this? I mean, a lot of these guys are hockey junkies and they watch a lot of hockey. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how and, can, how can they watch like the Edmonton and the Toronto power play and then be like, why are we just standing here? Like, I'm sure they've had that conversation <laughs> with each other. I know. It's, it's, it's insane. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I mean, even like, I, I mean, again, like St. Louis is not a very good team, but it's like you watch their power play, which we had to for eight games plus four playoff games. That, you know, we could do that. That's not even a big change. And mm-hmm. they do it well. And it, it's just, you know, it's something you can fall back on when you can't out-talent someone. Um, so, you know, it, it's a little frustrating as a fan to watch these, you know, well-coached power plays, um, that can fall back on strategy and things like that. Um, but it's, you know, it's also nice having the abs that are, you know, they're so talented, they don't need a system. Hope it doesn't get shut down. <laughs> like we were saying before the show, for the abs power play specifically, coach less. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope everybody is prepared for the mess that this series is, is likely to turn into. Um, please try to direct your ire at Vegas and not at Colorado, unless they deserve it. But they probably aren't going to deserve it. Um, I know the Avs haven't lost a single game in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so the the abs are going to lose a game. Be ready for that. The officiating is going to make you angry. Be ready for that too. It's the playoffs. It happens. Yeah. And Co- shit happening. <laughs> Colorado is going to get away with shit too. Yeah. And uh, with uh, with the right mindset, I think we can all have a really good time with what should be one of the best series of this postseason. I know I'm excited for it. I've been looking forward to it as if, basically ever since it looked like it was going to be set up to happen. 
and we it's... will have no idea when even game two will be. So our next show will depend on the schedule. Yeah, you would think they at least will not play on one of Saturday or Sunday. There's, there's no reason for anybody <laughs> except for Winnipeg yeah. series to go back to back. There's no reason. Pretty much. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, this is the high holy days for hockey right now. Because, again, you're going to have Carolina and Tampa with the early game and the Avs in Vegas late. And you know, that's just that's two good hockey games. Maybe not on the same night, but those are two good series to follow. It definitely feels like the first big series. Like, we've been in the second round, but it's not quite, it hasn't been quite the same. Yeah, we had well, a second I mean, round against... series that the Penguins play is huge. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when the Avs had the second the round against San Jose, that they were in as the eight seed, and even still almost managed to pull that off, but that wasn't, like, the series. And then last year, they got bullshat by the Stars and injury luck, and it wasn't the series either. Yeah. This is it. <laughs> this is where yeah, it's at. And they and they pretty much have everybody except for Kadri, and Kadri's even third liner. So yeah, this, you got your whole team and some interesting extras. So <laughs> some interesting yeah, game on. Extras. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Um, hopefully, the Avs can find a way to take an early lead in this series, but it's probably going to go the distance. And we will talk to you about it again sometime next weekend. If they got rid of Vigneault, I have a feeling they're... <laughs> like, like, why trade your whole roster? Why, why trade your whole roster when you can just trade coaches? Yeah. And it's not just him because it's like he's got Mike Yo there and oh, who's God. the other guy... Um, oh, I forgot Ter about that. <laughs> Tarion's there. It's like oh, it, it's my like, God. yeah, wow. it's 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 a serious triumvirate of evil. <laughs> that's a that's a murderer's row of coaches that have been murdered. Right. <laughs> Just looking at it, like I don't know how you can. I mean, it's like I know you you look at those guys, like oh boy, you know, it's like you've got six hundred years of NHL coaching experience, and you should be able to you know get anything out of them <clears throat> but it just doesn't work like that it's